So, Leif, Brita, this is an important question. Which Harry Potter house are you? I'm a Gryffindor. Like, I don't know. I, I, I would actually, I think, prefer to be Ravenclaw because I like to think of myself as intelligent uh, over brave. So you feel like a main character. I'm a main character <laughs> for sure. You guys are side characters in my life. Right. That's, true. <laughs> that's how the houses work. <laughs> Leif, what are you? I am a Slytherin. I couldn't find my Slytherin socks, but I would be wearing them. Wow. And I have a Slytherin tie and I have a Slytherin find your belt. Slytherin scarf either. And I lost my Slytherin scarf. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that was a good experience because when I called the place where I lost it, uh, the lady answered and I was like, I lost a scarf. It, it's green and silver and it says Slytherin. And she went, Oh, I'm a Slytherin too. <laughs> wow. It's like, oh what gosh, a cool thing so cool. that two adults who don't know each other can be playing this random imaginary game. IRL. Yeah, we just know. That's, that's actually a really cool story. That's really fun. So, what house are you then, Torvald? I've never taken one of the like sorting quizzes, so I don't know. I assume I'm Slytherin just because like I work in security and I'm like a <laughs> hacker. So it's pretty mean, good. that makes yeah. you Slytherin, right? When I actually went to the Wizarding World at Universal, they have those hats that they can you can buy them yourself. You put on your head and they'll just give you a random house. It said Hufflepuff for me, but I was what? like, nope. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'm basically a muggle. <laughs> yeah. A Hufflepuff, seriously. Right? <laughs> you guys are going to insult so many people who identify as Hufflepuffs. <laughs> Hufflepuffs yeah. don't get insulted. And also, no, we're Slytherin. You're right. So and yeah, it's our job <laughs> to right insult on all accounts. Yeah, that, that <laughs> all tracks. <laughs> I'm Leif Eric, and I'm here with my co host, Torvald. That's me. And also, I'm a little sick, so I apologize for my voice today. And we're also joined by my sister, Brita. Hello. She is the foremost scholar on Harry Potter lore. In this family. <laughs> Today, we are celebrating the 20-year anniversary of the first Harry Potter film. It came out 20 years ago to the month, November 2001. Can you wow. believe it? Can you yeah. believe how time is 20 has flown? years of Harry I Potter. I remember going I to know. see it for like my eighth birthday. It was wonderful. I've spent like a ridiculous amount of my life quoting that movie. True. That and Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, dude. Both yeah. incredible and <laughs> Both very quotable movies. movies. So we're having a party here celebrating the 20 year anniversary. And we're going to be going over some of the biggest, most major and most shocking theories for the Harry Potter series. This is a blanket trigger warning. We might say some bad things about your favorite characters, for example, Dumbledore, Hagrid, Ron. If you hate Snape or if you love Ron, Hagrid, and Dumbledore, then you might not like what we're going to discuss. But the theories we're going to talk about today, they do what I love, which is turn the movie on their head. I think these are great theories for everyone. No, I mean, it's just all sit in back, good fun. relax, enjoy. So we're going to talk about several theories today, and many of them have evidences in all of the movies. So we are going to be discussing all eight Harry Potter movies, but our theories may not necessarily have conclusions because they're going to have more evidence in the following movies. We're going to be splitting this into parts and listen to all the parts. This is going to be insane. We're, we're going to be so full of Harry Potter theories. The four major theories that we'd like to cover are Ron at some point cast the imperious curse on Hermione, and that's why she ended up with him. To kind of prove this, we're going to examine instances where Ron showed maybe envy of Harry or any sort of dark tendencies that he had or opportunities that he had to learn, practice, and use the imperious curse. We're also going to look at instances that show that Harry and Hermione were you know, possibly attracted to each other and that she maybe was not attracted to Ron. <laughs> of which there are, is a preponderance of evidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next theory is that Hagrid was a Death Eater or at least a Death Eater asset. To prove this, we're going to examine Hagrid's character, uh, any of the questionable actions that he has undertaken, his contact with members of the Dark Forces and specifically his actions which helped Voldemort in some way. The next theory that we're going to talk about is that Snape was Harry's father. 
And I, I think this is an interesting theory <laughs> oh, that a yeah. lot of people are going to disagree with. It basically yep. boils down to that James was not Harry's father. Snape was Harry's father. And to prove this, we'll examine just, you know, the possibility that he was Harry's dad. Like, could it have come to pass in any way? And are there any specific instances where Snape shows, like, fatherly love towards Harry? Yeah, and many of these theories, as I've said, have a lot more evidence in the later films, especially the Snape yeah. was Harry's dad one. So we stick the to the one. end to, to really hear it. But, you know, some people did come out of the seventh movie wondering, was Snape Harry's dad? Yeah. And so we're going to. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it's not just us. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> we're going to examine that. My sister-in-law, the first thing she said when we got out of the theater, she was just like, so I don't understand. Snape was Harry's dad? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what, what the movie implies heavily. <laughs> <laughs> the final theory, we are going to discuss the theory that Dumbledore was in fact a dark wizard, that he was evil and, you know, possibly even to the same dizzying heights of evil as Lord Voldemort was evil. Yeah. We're going to examine his questionable actions, the strange things he did, how he strategically maneuvered himself into a position of power in many different instances. And maneuvered himself out of other positions of power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even people who would be completely on Dumbledore's side and really want to defend him, I think would have to say some of his decisions were questionable. All of his yeah. decisions. Yeah, I know, but well. some people really like this character. I just got to pat herself on the back because we were rejected by an impressive number of people who worked on these movies to come and do an interview with us. So. Yeah, wow, we were great, <laughs> I guess. All of these theories will revolve around the cinematic universe. We're not going to be bringing in evidence from the books, except for maybe yeah. in some very specific instances. These are theories that draw on the Harry Potter films. If you love Harry Potter, go and watch all the Harry Potter films and think about our theories and see if you, you know, notice something we didn't. And it's fun. It's good fun. I love watching all the yeah. Harry Potter films. I know. They're so good, dude. <laughs> What's your Harry Potter tier list? Which one's the best? Which one's the worst? Just the movies. Uh, the movies for me go two, four, one, five, six, seven, three. Dude. Oh, my gosh. How are you so right? In every way. <laughs> I know. Dude, it's so funny because your tier list is like literally the opposite of every tier list that I saw on Reddit. I know. <laughs> they all put two at the bottom. It. Can you believe it? Like Two is the best. It's the oh, best. Two's I really love good. two. Oh yeah. my gosh. Two is amazing. All right. All right. Harry Potter 1. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or as it was originally called, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, released in 2001, directed by Chris Columbus, and the screenplay was, of course, by Steve Cloves, and the original book series, of course, written by J.K. Rowling. First and foremost, I want to point out to both of you, in case you haven't heard this, in case you didn't notice this, Harry Potter does not cast a single spell in the entire movie. He never casts a spell. Yeah. Yep. Nor does he, apparently, in the book. I haven't verified in the book. I need to reread it. The meme is great. We should post that. <laughs> You're a really great wizard, Harry. <laughs> But Hermione, I never cast a single spell all year long. <laughs> He's not a great wizard. Yep. As far as I could tell, the first spell he ever casts Rick on screen is when he's dueling with <laughs> Malfoy and he uses Rick Sempra, which as Eric may know, and I do know, is <laughs> a tickling curse. It doesn't make Draco laugh or anything. No, no it, it doesn't. Him. It just blasts him. <laughs> I'm going to assume tickle. Harry cast it wrong. But anyway... <laughs> very first shot of the very first movie we symbolically know that Dumbledore is evil because he shows up and what does he do on little wingding Surrey? He sucks all the lights he turns out off of the lights. every, but he doesn't just turn them off. He sucks all the light from the world. <laughs> he is the dark bringer. He goes up to the front door and Professor McGonagall is there. She's kind of expressing her concern about Hagrid transporting a baby. Dumbledore says, I'd trust him with my life. I wouldn't trust many wizards in the wizarding world with my life, but especially not Hagrid. <laughs> I would never trust that man with my life. That's also going to be a divisive opinion. <laughs> Why? I mean, Hagrid is he's as much as you like him, to get he's, them he's killed. a bumbling guy, right? Like, <laughs> no, he's not bumbling. It's it's an act. It's a ruse. He is always trying to get them he killed. That's an evidence we'll for the <laughs> Death Eater Hagrid theory. A couple of these theories actually originate from Reddit. The Hagrid is a Death Eater theory was popularized by a Reddit user named Woof. 
<laughs> W-H-O-O-F-P-H. Highly encourage you to go and look at his posts because he put just a ridiculous amount of work into it. Similarly, the uh, Ron used the imperious curse on Hermione theory was also first popularized on Reddit by a user called Emperor Death Bunny. He wrote an equally impressive write-up. Once again, seriously, look it up because these two people put a lot of effort into their write-ups and they're very, very good. So Hagrid is crying when he drops off baby Harry. If he's so evil, why is he crying? Because his dark lord died. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's what Voldemort I just say. died. You proved it. Yeah, I don't think we need to keep going on that theory. That's the evidence. I like the way that this movie starts off very kitty and fairy tale-ish. It's almost a Cinderella story. You know, he's living under the stairs. He has to clean up after his family. He's basically a slave and Vernon hissing like, <laughs> there's no such thing as magic. <laughs> yeah. And then later as he's evilly burning <laughs> letters Smiling. in the fireplace. Going, ha, ha, ha. I would like to point out that in the scene where Harry's preparing, Petunia tells him to get breakfast ready for them. Uh, a lot of people online have taken gifts of that moment where he tries to pick things up on the pan and just literally all, like the bacon and the eggs just all slide off of his spatula. They're like, Harry, can you do nothing right? Like, you have accomplished <laughs> nothing here. Right. <laughs> he can't right. even get food out of a pan. <laughs> and that might lead into a tiny mini theory that we could talk about a little, just that maybe the Durs weren't that bad yeah. <laughs> and we're just seeing this from Harry's perspective it could be they were just trying to give Harry practice you know with cooking because he's really bad <laughs> at it <laughs> we're already being divisive enough I don't think we need to go to they back for the Dursleys <laughs> this is a horrible abusive family yeah no, I think they're <laughs> no they're bad they are they're bad, bad. They're, I'm just saying maybe they're not that bad <laughs> they're also like cartoonishly bad <laughs> yeah. um, well to be fair they, they're being like menaced and coerced by you know, the most evil and powerful dark wizard of our time, Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Dursleys. That evil Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think the implication when he drops the baby off the doorstep is, you know, I will kill oh, you yeah. if you don't <laughs> raise this, this yeah, baby. Yeah, he didn't even freaking ring the doorbell, though. He just walked no. away from that baby off the doorstep. In the, the doorstep. middle of the night, he was like, the baby will start crying eventually and they'll come get yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll wake them up. That's totally his philosophy Very when it comes so. to Harry, right? It's just like, I'm just going to put him in a situation and he'll, and he'll handle it. it. Even as a like zero-year-old. <laughs> he was like a year and a half when uh, his parents died. I'm not 100% sure about that, but... Petunia's sister just died, yep. and that's how she found out mm-hmm. <laughs> was the, that her, her little nephew is on her doorstep. And I know they didn't have the best relationship, but I'm sure that was still not a, a very nice way of learning that that happened. But I know there is a fan theory that Death Eaters or perhaps Voldemort also killed Lily and Petunia's parents. So if that were true, even more reason for her to be pretty traumatized by suddenly finding out that her ostensibly pretty powerful witch sister was dead by finding a baby on her doorstep in the middle of the night. Well, I had watched an extended version that I'd never seen before. And in this one, there's a scene where Aunt Petunia is cracking eggs and there are letters inside of each egg. Things get crazy because these these letters, yeah, letters are coming and he's like, we're going far away, Vernon says. They go to a, a secluded island that Vernon has access to for some reason. <laughs> and Hagrid appears. When he shows up, he's a literal monster. Yeah, a he like bangs down the door. <laughs> he just pushes the door down. He does say sorry, sorry about, about that. that. Puts it back. Yep. <laughs> when they say a car crash killed Harry's parents, he's like, a car crash killed Lily and James Potter. We're meant to believe it's because he knew them or something. Right. They never seemed like they're all that good friends with Hagrid. He's clearly like, <laughs> don't you call my dark lord a car crash. Yeah. Exactly. The thing that killed them was freaking Voldemort. <laughs> That's what he's mad about. He takes offense <laughs> that Voldemort did not get the credit for killing <laughs> Lily and James Potter. It was the dark lord. He's pretty fast and loose with the wizarding rules as he just whips out his wand slash umbrella and illegally uses it to start a fire in the fireplace. A nonverbal spell right there. Yes, I was going to point that out that uh, I think which every time we see magic. him use magic, he does it nonverbally, yeah, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be very advanced. He's a show off, dude. Even though he was kicked out during what, his fourth year, his fifth year? So. so they're implying that he's a very powerful wizard. His first interaction with Dursley, 
Dursley says he'll not be going, and Hagrid says, "Oh, and I suppose a great muggle great like yourself going like to stop him." Yeah, just replace muggle with any race, and yeah, uh, it exactly. Becomes a questionable phrase, <laughs> or just like anyone who is inherently weaker than, say, a wizard, right? Even like a profession, and it sounds bad. Like I suppose a great garbage man like yourself. We see other characters be fairly like respectful of muggles. That it's just like, oh yeah, they just don't have magic, but they're muggles. Whereas in this instance, yeah, I think we see Hagrid be very derisive and intentionally insulting toward these people just because they don't have magic, which I think is a common feature of Hagrid. And I think it's also shown by a couple seconds later when he uses magic on Dudley. He tries to turn Dudley into a pig, or at least give him a pigtail again, non-verbally. He does this to punish him for eating the cake that he brought for Harry, and Harry and him both just laugh at it. And this is something we see again later with Death Eaters punishing and torturing muggles actually in the fourth movie. Typical Death Eater behavior to just think nothing of muggles, to torture them and use magic on them and to laugh at it. Yep. I just want to really zero in on what exactly Hagrid did here. Because first of all, he's attacking a muggle. Second of all, that muggle is a child. Third of all, he's using magic to do it. Fourth of all, he is not allowed to use magic. (laughs) And fifth of all, he is using nonverbal transfiguration and doing so with a broken wand. (laughs) This is a highly complicated advanced spell, and he shouldn't even know how to do it yet. My next thing was just that, so Harry goes with Hagrid and he takes him to the Leaky Cauldron and everyone knows who Harry is. And Harry wonders kind of why that is. And Hagrid replies, not sure I should be the one to tell you, meaning I was a Death Eater. You probably shouldn't (laughs) hear the story from me. (laughs) Who is the first wizard that Hagrid introduces Harry to? It's Voldemort. (laughs) Literally Voldemort. He brings Harry straight to Voldemort. <laughs> He's like, okay, my mm-hmm. dark lord, here he is. Time for you to meet him. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and Hagrid spends a lot of this movie helping Quirrell. <laughs> he, he definitely does. Now, I think this is his, uh, him kind of just showing his loyalty to Voldemort. I think this is his way of saying, like, I know I'm bringing him to Dumbledore, but I brought him to you first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to Gringotts. It's just interesting to think about the fact that Hagrid has access to all of Harry's money. (laughs) He just carries the key around. And that's all you need to get this money. <laughs> like, yep, it's just he, the key holder. He's just got that access. You know, we don't know when he got that key, how long he's had that key. I mean, presumably it's just his key, right? Like, he, I don't think he ever gives it to Harry. <laughs> it's just he his. stole it off their dead bodies when he it's got quite Harry. possible. <laughs> yes. At the end of the movie, he gives Harry a photo album of pictures of Harry's family. Yeah, we how did get Hagrid that? get that? <laughs> right? He got it so maybe he was grabbing the baby in that just house. Just looting their house. Looted their house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, basically, I think maybe he grabbed this key while he was looting their house. Who knows? And maybe he's been pilfering (laughs) the bank over the years whenever he needs an extra couple of galleons. I mean, Harry certainly wouldn't notice. No, Harry would have no idea, (laughs) even after he knows the money. Harry also wouldn't care. (laughs) Why were Lily and James Potter so freaking loaded? Like, what did they do? So the question here actually can be boiled down to how much money does Harry have? Now, there was one website that did like a deep dive into it and they counted like the stacks of gold in the bank that we can see on screen and they tried to estimate how much a galleon is worth in US dollars. And they estimated that we see about $1,265,625 worth of cash in that bank. Very specific. that there's more off screen. So he has over a million dollars. Now, according to J.K. Rowling, Harry's net worth comes to around 319,995 galleons, which would come out to about $2.6 million. He's not Jeff Bezos. But he's very well off and basically could survive off of the interest of his money if if Gringotts gives interest. We don't know. (laughs) I don't think they do. I don't think they do either. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Now, how did the Potters come into all this money? So it starts with... Linfred of Stinchcombe, who was an eccentric and well-beloved man. He was nicknamed the Potterer because he invented potions, including Skelligro and the Pepper Up Potion, which are both featured in Harry Potter books. So he was called Potter, not because he made pots, but because he he made made potions potions in pots. (laughs) That's why he was called the Potterer. Yeah, he was the Potterer. 
he did well for himself, but he wasn't in like millions and millions of dollars territory. He just had, you know, good money for the family. And cool that, you know, he invented the potion that would regrow his great, 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 great grandson's arm one day. You know? <laughs> yeah. So generations <laughs> later, we, uh, you know, we're presented with Fleamont Potter, who is Harry's grandfather. So this is much closer to Harry. And this is when the family really took off money wise. He basically took the family's entire savings. He took all their gold and quadrupled it by creating the Sleek Easy Hair Potion. Wow, that's what Hermione uses. When does Hermione use that? In the fourth book, to go to the ball. You know how in the movie she just stops having frizzy hair for no reason? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the books, she gets it that way for the Yule Ball, and Harry asks her how she did that, and she's like, I used lots of Sleek Easy's hair gel. Yeah, he asks her, like, the next day why it's back to normal, and she's like, oh, it took, like, four bottles. I couldn't do that every day. But apparently the Hermione in the movie does. Little did Harry know (laughs) he was getting money from that that brand. Yes, he could give her as much Sleek Easy's as she ever needed. What do you will not? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure he he got money when she bought those four bottles. (laughs) Since Sleek Eases is a a product on the market, he's getting money into that bank account. It's not just a static fund. If Gringotts uh, allows, I don't know, payments, we don't know. (laughs) Do they just keep money in rooms? Because that kind of seems like what they do. Harry's family would have to have an estate and they would have to have an accountant who would be paid money from that estate and that accountant would be the one making sure that this money goes to the right Dude, place. Dude, it's Hagrid. Oh, it's Hagrid. No. Oh. He's the accountant. <laughs> oh, That's why he has the key. Know. That's why he has That's access he to has the, the key. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh my god! Although that actually kind of works against your evil Hagrid uh, theory. He's an evil accountant. He's incurring so many taxes every year. Oh, oh man, Hagrid. He's not only an evil accountant, he's a bad accountant. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's bad and not in a good way. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about Hagrid going to, what's the vault number? 736, I think. The vault where the Philosopher's Stone is being kept. I think he says Dumbledore gave him this job. Now, I don't think Dumbledore specifically told him to do it while he was picking up Harry. Uh, it seems like he probably <laughs> just chose to like uh, roll those two trips into one. He didn't need to take Harry to that vault, right? Like he could have either said like, here's a goblin, we'll go with you to your vault, I'll go to this other vault. Or he could have even done the thing where he leaves Harry at Ollivander's and then comes back with Hedwig, right? right? Like he could have left Harry somewhere else. leaving Harry places. (laughs) Yeah. But instead, (laughs) he chose to bring Harry to that vault to show him this Hogwarts business, very secret. (laughs) Um, And like supposedly no one knew where this Philosopher's Stone was. It had been there, who knows, how long and yet the vault got robbed right after Hagrid emptied it out so who told the people who tried to rob that vault which vault number to, to steal from and when to do it I think it was Hagrid and they, they just planned it been. badly mm-hmm. right that he thought they were going to rob it beforehand they didn't so he went to get it and he was like oh man and then he had to hand it's it over like, to Dumbledore this shouldn't have been here yeah this was supposed <laughs> to be empty this was supposed to be the big reveal moment so you're saying he brought Harry there as a witness to say it Harry wasn't Hagrid's fault. Yeah, to be he like, came oh my in gosh. and it was empty. <laughs> yeah. Because you're right, he didn't that. have to bring Harry. <laughs> well, and he's so awkward when he goes to yeah. grab it. Like he kind of <laughs> looks around and like shiftily like walks forward and grabs it quickly and leaves. And it's like, best not to mention this to anyone, Harry. Yeah, he just interrupted his own burglary. (laughs) There were like wizards and black clad going up on wires in that room right before they came in. Like, quick, quick, get out of here. (laughs) So when later he reads it and says the vault had in fact been emptied earlier that same day, they mean like earlier that same 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Like as soon as they close the door, the wizards drop back down and they're like, oh, no. Like, why did he take it? He could have left it here. (laughs) (laughs) Then he wouldn't have it. an alibi. All he would have is Harry saying, yeah, it was there. And he just weirdly left it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was gone. <laughs> it was gone. Oh, man. <laughs> That's my theory about Hagrid at the bank. Now, there are a lot of newspaper articles in the Harry Potter universe. 
they are extremely hard to read because <laughs> the headlines are just all over the place and the words yeah. go in all directions. <laughs> and also are mostly nonsense. <laughs> and they're written in cursive. Yeah. But the newspaper article reads, Break in at Gringotts. Gringotts security breached. Believed to be the work of dark wizards or witches. Unknown. Gringotts goblins, while acknowledging the breach, insist that nothing was taken. The vault in question had in fact been emptied the very same day. So that all checks out. Also, I love the descriptor, dark witches and wizards unknown, which means nothing. Like, believed to be the work of villains, (laughs) is what that means. So this is, in quotes, this is what one of the goblins says. But we're not telling you what was in there, so keep your noses out of it if you know what's good for you, (laughs) said a Gringotts spokes goblin this afternoon. Wow, what a great spokes goblin. Gringotts now needs to redress their security system. Goblin security specialists are combing the land for a better breed of security dragon to replace Whoa. the now scorned, useless existing ones. Oh, <laughs> sad. <laughs> Poor security dragons. They are going as far as examining muggle security systems. Well, they <laughs> should. Good for them. They really should. Yeah. Gringotts needs to get another security system in place before any more breaches occur. Wizards, witches all over the country are scratching their heads, wondering how safe their money is in this so-called safe wizard bank. Head goblins are urging the wizard community for, and then I I couldn't read the rest. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, this is actually a very standard response to a security incident. The first thing you do after a major security incident is you throw the CISO under the bus, the chief information security officer. That is literally why that position exists. This is well known in the business world. Anyone who is hired as a CISO, a chief information security officer, their job is to get in trouble whenever you have a security incident and get fired and then get hired somewhere else and do it again. Wow. <laughs> and that's what they're doing with these dragons. <laughs> like, they're like, it was the dragon's fault. They're, they're fired. We're going to get new dragons, right? <laughs> that's the CISO. <laughs> so Ollivanders is up next. Hagrid, like you said, basically just totally abandons Harry at Ollivander's. Yep. He's the only person Harry knows in this magical world that Harry's never experienced. And honestly, I think Ollivander is a Death Eater. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he is. J.K. Rowling specifically mentions in the first book that he meets him. And Harry's like, I'm not quite sure if I like this person. And then later when Harry interrogates him uh, in the seventh book, he remembers that, that he's like starts talking to Ollivander and then he gets a little uncomfortable and he's like, oh, yeah, I remember. I never quite liked this this person. I wonder why that is. In the movie, the way Ollivander talks to Harry certainly sounds like he's a Death Eater. Um, Oh, yeah. He specifically picks out Voldemort's twin wand to give to Harry. And he knows it's it. not the first one he picks out. No, but then he's like, I think this is the right one. Right. And he's like, curious yep. that you should be I destined wonder. for this wand when its brother gave you that scar. Harry asks, who owned that wand? He says, we do not speak his name. Now, I think when he says we, he doesn't mean we wizards. He means we Death Eaters. It's true. The Death Eaters call him the Dark Lord. They call him the Dark Lord. He says, I think it's clear we can expect great things from you. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. If someone described Hitler that way, I think we'd all be a little uncomfortable. Yeah, like if someone's like, <laughs> man, that Hitler did great things. Yeah, okay, oh, terrible, terrible. But, but like but really you know, great. great. <laughs> great. <laughs> and maybe you'll be like him. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day you'll be like Hitler. <laughs> Oh, boy. I mean, I don't know exactly what to make of all this, but I I do have to point out, though, that Ollivanders is the only reason that Harry is alive by the end, because the only reason he survives the fourth book is because he has that wand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he would have just been killed by Voldemort in the graveyard if he didn't have the, the twin wand, so... But here's my theory on that is that I think most of the Death Eaters didn't actually know that Voldemort was alive. And so if Ollivander really did think he was dead, maybe he literally was trying to groom Harry to be the next Voldemort. Right. Like that's why he gave him this twin wand. So if Ollivander's is a Death Eater, then he might be grooming Harry to be the next Voldemort because Ollivander's being very knowledgeable about wands and how magic transfers and stuff might know that Harry would have some of Voldemort's uh, personality transferred into him already. So he might know that that's a good idea. And the idea that a Death Eater would try to make a second Voldemort is confirmed by Lucius himself, who doesn't think the Dark Lord is coming back. And so that's why he tries to bring him back via his stupid diary, Mm -hmm. you know, in the second one. 
on. So like, this could be, could be Ollivander's kind of trying to do the same thing. Yep. So Hagrid, who left Harry here, then comes back and it turns out that what he left to do was to buy Harry an owl. A very, very highly visible, easily trackable, snowy white owl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the reason that he can't send letters to Sirius. Exactly. Several times in the books and movies, they comment that, yeah, we can't use Hedwig because that owl is just too easily tracked, right? Like the ministry will get it. Voldemort will get it. It was not Harry's choice. (laughs) It was Hagrid's choice. Hagrid being like the animal expert of the series. Maybe he was tracking Harry's owl. He was tracking Harry's letters. It could be. So then they leave Ollivander's and Harry finally demands to know what happened to my parents. What's going on? Hagrid starts to tell him and he he can't say his name right. His name his name was his name was and Harry says, oh, maybe if you wrote it down. And he says, no, I can't spell it. All right. And then he whispers, Voldemort. Right. And then Harry says it and he's like, shh. And then for the rest of the conversation, he has no issues saying Voldemort's name. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like, like he okay, goes so on and tells, <laughs> tells the entire story. And he's like, so Voldemort did this and then he did that. Right. And so it's like that is not the behavior of someone who a moment ago was like whispering it and couldn't bring themselves to finish the word. Right. That is someone who is not like terrified in the way he was acting like he was of this name. You were just talking about how everybody, even the Death Eaters, think that Voldemort is dead. That is history in the wizarding world, that Voldemort died. Nobody thinks he's still alive. Hagrid seems to know about some of the possible function of horcruxes and that Voldemort used them. When he's describing Voldemort to Harry, he says, well, some say that he died. Codswallop, in my opinion. No, I reckon he's still out there. Too tired to carry on. Hagrid's opinion about Voldemort is vastly different from everyone else's opinion about Voldemort. (laughs) He clearly thinks that Voldemort is still alive. He's one of those Death Eaters who Voldemort would have been proud of when he sees them in the cemetery. He's like, you didn't stop believing. He's one of those Death Eaters who is working with the barely alive, too tired to carry on Voldemort because he brought him Mm -hmm. to Quirrell. He's met him. He knows him. Like he's literally describing Voldemort's current state, which he couldn't possibly know. I think the argument that someone might make is that Dumbledore believes that Voldemort is still existing and used Horcruxes and that he might have let that slip to like former Order of the Phoenix members, which includes Hagrid. Uh, But I agree with you. I think that it's pretty wild he would say all that specifically. I think we can move on. I think we're done with Diagon Alley. Hagrid does what he does best, which is leave Harry somewhere. He leaves Harry at King's Cross. The reason why he leaves him is because he says Dumbledore will be wanting to, well, uh, He'll be, he wanted to see me. Mm-hmm. And then he's patting the Philosopher's Stone in his pocket. But Harry is going to Hogwarts. Yes. Yeah. where Dumbledore <laughs> currently is. Yeah. <laughs> or at the very least, Hagrid will see him there. Harry goes straight from that train station to Hogwarts. And Hagrid and Dumbledore are there. In fact, yes. <laughs> Hagrid is the one who picks them up at the train station. Yep. <laughs> I think there are faster ways for adults to get to Hogwarts than the train. Yeah, like a flying motorcycle, which he can bring Harry on. In context of the actual universe, there shouldn't be a way for Hagrid to get there faster. He isn't supposed to be able to apparate. He doesn't have a wand. A train that goes straight there would be a pretty quick way of getting there. I think it is strange that he was the guardian of this child and going to the same place as this child and left this child alone <laughs> to get there by himself <laughs> and met him yes. there. Yeah, like, I it doesn't do agree. Make any sense. <laughs> Harry's first time on a train. You yeah. go with him. <laughs> he, this kid <laughs> lived in a closet his whole life. <laughs> yeah, at least make sure he gets on the train. The way that he leaves is equally baffling. It's right in the middle of their conversation. Harry looks down, and when he looks up, Hagrid's gone. <laughs> like, he just pulls a Batman. <laughs> he abandoned this 11-year-old shut-in. <laughs> like, he subscribes to the Dumbledore method of parenting. Harry will figure it out. He certainly does. In the train, he meets Ron. I would love to see a, like, a what-if style show, like, you know, Marvel what-if. I would love to see a Harry Potter what-if about if Harry had met Malfoy first on the train. That's exactly what I was thinking the whole time I was watching it. He literally would have been best friends forever with anybody he met. 
<laughs> anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's who Harry is. He's a blank slate. And it's interesting because Harry kind of comes across as the leader of his little group. He's not a leader kind of person. He's not. And if he had met Mm-mm. Malfoy first, he would have been Malfoy's lackey. He would have been Crab yeah, and Goyle. Been and he would have been in Slytherin. <laughs> uh-huh. He would have definitely he been absolutely in would have been. He would have already been best friends with Malfoy and Malfoy went before him. So he would just be like, yeah, I want to go in Slytherin with Malfoy. Because Malfoy would have said, I hope you're in Slytherin. Slytherin's the best. And he'd been like, please Slytherin, please Slytherin. I would really love to see that. If, if they ever do like an animated Harry Potter series, that is my one wish. I just want to see what would happen if he'd met Malfoy first. <laughs> the only thing I had to say about the train was just the, this odd little thing where he gets a chocolate frog and there is a weird holographic picture of Dumbledore yeah, that's that not isn't a normal moving. Picture. <laughs> yeah, and yet they act like it's one of those paintings that just moves around. They're like it seems like it was a placeholder art that they just left in. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it kind of like horrific that they trap sentient beings in pictures especially with pictures because like they talk about paintings and in, in other things and say that like you have to train the painting to act like you and stuff so like at least it does have a personality the picture seems to just like literally encapsulate your personality and feelings in that moment and then it's yeah. there forever right <laughs> like serious screaming at the bar yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, we're like talk harry about just trying to get out of gilderoy's grip and like pulling himself out of the frame or harry <laughs> and Hermione hugging each other over and over and then looking over and over. That's all they want to do. <laughs> That's the best one. It was the best one. <laughs> On the train, Harry and Ron are just, you know, hanging out and chilling. And then Harry utterly embarrasses Ron by buying the entire candy cart in front of him <laughs> when Ron can't even afford like a lollipop, <laughs> which is really like this kid is poor. Oh, my gosh. But we know that that kind of thing is very important to Ron. He has a strong sense of pride and gets embarrassed very easily. Right. Like he (laughs) doesn't necessarily see this as, oh, good for me. My friend is rich. He sees it as, this sucks. My friend is rich. I wish I was rich. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So this is kind of, I think, his first taste of jealousy. Harry thought he was feeding him candy. Really, he was feeding him envy. (laughs) Wow, clever. I know. (laughs) Pretty good, right? (laughs) Hermione comes in. Has anyone seen a toad? Yes, and there is a toad in that room, and his name is Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Hermione is utterly unimpressed and disgusted by Ron when they first meet. Oh, yeah. So like I said, Ron got his first taste of jealousy with the candy and the money. He's about to get his second taste of jealousy when (laughs) Hermione, the girl who he's going to marry, walks in and shows him nothing but disgust, then turns to Harry and says, Holy cricket, you're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And then turns to Ron and disgustedly says, And... You are. (laughs) And he chokes through a mouthful of chocolate. I'm I'm wrong with me. (laughs) She says, pleasure. (laughs) Like, it's not a pleasure. but And then before she goes, it's only, you've got dirt on your nose, by the way. Did you know? Just there. (laughs) Just there. (laughs) Right. You know, this whole time, Ron has just been pigging out and looking mad about Hermione. I think he was personally offended by this entire situation. And he wants to be the guy who... She's fawning all over and he's like, someday I'm going to show her some real magic when I perform the imperious curse on her. Wow, really (laughs) playing the long game. Well, you know, this is just the seeds, right? Like, I think right now it's just (laughs) jealousy, just anger. Yeah. I will say she seems to know a lot more about the wizarding world than Harry does, which makes some sense, but it doesn't make perfect sense because she is muggle-born. I'm not even sure how she knows who Harry Potter is. Right. The explanation is just that she reads a lot, I guess. Yeah, but like where was she even getting books before she got to Hogwarts? Well, she she didn't. Like she wouldn't have known she was a wizard until she was 11 years old. She got her letter, yeah. Months before now. And this is one of the fan criticisms that I've heard most about the movies is that in the books... Hermione is book smart and talented, but Ron is wizard smart, and he's the one right. who knows all these different wizarding things. In the movies, it's Hermione who knows everything, and Ron knows <laughs> she just nothing. Knows everything. Hermione knows everything. Ron is just an idiot. <laughs> all right. So they get to the castle. Yeah. yeah. And Draco says to Harry, some wizard families are better than others. You don't want to be mixing with the wrong sort. 
And he's referring to Ron Weasley when he says that. And I would say, I think that the entire Weasley family is kind of terrible, except for Bill Weasley. He's the only (laughs) stand-up guy out of the group. I love Bill Weasley. Maybe Fred and George. But, like, Percy is a bad guy. Molly, oh, I could go in. I'm going to get to some points about how terrible she is. The dad, I think he's actually a pretty good guy. I was going to say, what what evidence could you have against the dad? He's kind of clueless sometimes. But I he mean, seems he breaks well-meaning. some laws. <laughs> yeah, he breaks some laws. But like, man, Ron and Percy, I don't know much about Charlie. <laughs> In the game, at least, Charlie seems to have no moral compass other than Dragon. Dragon, dragon. <laughs> that, dragon. No, and in the books, that is also his personality. Yeah. Dragons. <laughs> dragons will fix it. Dragons. <laughs> dragons. <laughs> wow. In his opening speech, Dumbledore says they should stay away from the third floor corridor unless they wish to die a most painful death. And I got to say, as the headmaster, this is his responsibility. Like, he's not doing a good job if that's all he's saying to keep them away. The door is only locked. You can open it with mm-hmm. Alohomora. Yeah, like a I was trying to spell. figure that out. I was like, why on earth would it only be locked with Alohomora in a wizard school? And I decided it must be because, like, Argus Filch must be the one in charge of, like, taking care of Fluffy or dealing with that room. That's the only explanation. In the Harry Potter mobile game Hogwarts Mystery, at one point you break into Filch's office and you open it with Alohomora. And some of the students are kind of like, that's really weird that his office is only locked with Alohomora. Like, it seems like it should have a better lock on it. But he doesn't have magic, so he can only use normal keys. This is the thing that they put three guards in front of to make sure people don't get, and they locked it with a key. (laughs) (laughs) Also during this opening piece, Snape is staring directly at Harry Potter, like, the entire time. So we're starting small with the Snape is Harry's dad theory. But yeah, he's he's clearly very interested in Harry. He he likes keeping an eye on his son. This is the first time he's ever met his son. He is the only person in the entire room who notices when Harry's in pain because of his scar and immediately identifies the source of the pain looking at Quirrell. (laughs) Snape is so freaking observant (laughs) I love Snape in the movies Snape in the books is a little irredeemable he's a petty strange man (laughs) but Alan Rickman as Snape is just insanely good it was inspired he he makes that role in the sorting hat ceremony, I think it's pretty cool that the Bloody Baron is just so freaking jovial and silly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's definitely going, how he normally acts. Waving his sword around. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I also love that scene. Why do they keep that ghost at Hogwarts? He's a horrible person. Like, he murdered... He murdered the Grey Lady. He murdered her and then killed himself because he was like, oh, crap, I murdered someone. (laughs) Like, he's a horrible, horrible person. He's a psychopath. They don't keep ghosts at Hogwarts. They just can't, like, don't get rid of them. There's got to be a spell to banish evil ghosts. No, it's because Dumbledore is the headmaster. I mean, (laughs) those guys have been around a lot longer than Dumbledore. (laughs) No, I know, but I'm just saying Dumbledore could get rid of the ghosts if he wanted. Okay, he yes. doesn't. He, he doesn't could. care about his students. <laughs> well, and that I think is evidenced in how the castle works with these wonderful randomly reconfiguring moving, moving staircases <laughs> that don't let it's you go really where you want to go <laughs> and instead lead you to the forbidden room all the time. <laughs> Three other kind of silly things about the wizarding world just real quick. One is that Any other book universe that established there are four houses with four different personality traits would have had four main characters in each of the houses. (laughs) But instead, it's just Gryffindor, the main characters, Slytherin, the antagonist, and Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw don't matter. They're extras. Yeah, they're just there. (laughs) I mean, I think some of it has to do with the actual house system in Britain, though. Right, yeah. I think it's one of the things that bugged me about Ilvermoney having houses. I was like, we don't do that in the U.S., but they do do that in Britain. Like, that's a normal thing. And it is all also normal that like McGonagall says your house is like your family where like you do just kind of become friends with the people right, in your house yeah. and right, you don't it's like really see the other people when the bloody baron shows up Seamus another weird thing is just for no reason talking to no one about his parentage yeah. <laughs> 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 my dad's a muggle my mom's a witch <laughs> bit of a nasty shock for him when he found out <laughs> no one's listening to him no one cares Seamus he's moving his head from side to side clearly trying to get some interaction from anyone <laughs> <laughs> 
In this movie, both Ron and Seamus seem to think that you can cast spells by saying some sort of like weird rhyme, yeah, which is not up. how you cast spells <laughs> no, in this world. Not. And I don't know it's how both Latin. of them, having grown up with like wizard parents, don't know how spells work. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning of Transfiguration class, why is McGonagall just sitting on her desk as okay. a cat, cat watching all her them. students work? I mean, no, okay, just trying two to trick things the about this. Students. Yeah, I can only assume she started the class and then turned into a cat just to mess with late students. Yes. But also, I'd like to point out that they come in, she turns into herself and then says, perhaps I should transfigure the both of you into a pocket watch. Then perhaps one of you would be on time. <laughs> and they say, we got lost. And she says, then perhaps a map. As if that's a good response. When in fact, you should be giving maps to new students. And watches. This school is huge. It's a castle and the staircases move. Like, it is not a bad excuse for a first-year student in their first transfiguration <laughs> class to say that they got lost. Like, I love McGonagall. Don't get me wrong. I feel like she's being a little unreasonable there. <laughs> Potions class. As we already talked about, Alan Rickman's performance as Snape is nothing short of genius. The way he takes every single line and somehow manages to twist it and reverse it in such a way that no one would expect that it just seems to have the opposite meaning of what the line is saying, or perhaps no meaning at all. <laughs> yeah. He says something like, a select few of you are going to be good at my class, and Draco's nodding like, yeah, he's talking about me. But the look on Alan Rickman on Snape's face is not like a look of you. The way he looks at him when he select few is like, what is this disgusting yes. thing Draco doing in my class? <laughs> right. It's yeah. interesting. In in the books, Snape seems to love Draco. In the movies, Snape seems to really not like Draco. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. No. <laughs> and it makes sense that he would dislike him. Like, he used to be a Death Eater, and Lucius is a Death Eater. It's like, of course they wouldn't get along. Snape does very specifically and very single-mindedly single out Harry Potter. Right. Yeah, and I was always confused about that. Because he yells at him for not paying attention as Harry is specifically taking, taking notes. notes on what he just said. <laughs> His notes are pretty great. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're, very useful they're not notes. useful, but he is paying attention. <laughs> One thing you have to understand about Snape, though, and the Harry Potter mobile game Hogwarts Mystery gets this right, is that <laughs> Snape gives you backhanded compliments, but they're real compliments, okay? <laughs> he can't give you oh, a definitely. straightforward compliment. It has to be backhanded, but he means it sincerely. <laughs> so when he says to Harry Potter, some of you have come to Hogwarts in possession of abilities so formidable that you feel confident enough to not pay attention. He's being sincere. Yeah, he's, he's saying that he Harry Potter, abilities. you have formidable abilities. You are great. Yes, that is true about him. <laughs> That's one of the best, most complimentary things Snape has ever said about anyone. <laughs> When he grills Harry yes. on certain things, I believe he's doing this as a loving father. Yes. Out of anyone else in the class, he's giving Harry a personalized lesson just for him. He's trying to gauge what this kid knows so he exactly. can better teach him. He literally yep. only cares what Harry knows and doesn't know. It seems like no one in that class knew the answers to those questions except Hermione. And so, like, he, it does make sense if you're thinking of it not as just, like, him trying to embarrass Harry, but in fact him trying to like gauge his his knowledge level because like even in a muggle house you might know what a bezoar is i did <laughs> so. uh, and i just gotta say that like he pulls up a chair and sits directly in front of harry potter we know that this isn't just him bullying harry this is part of the class because he says why aren't you all copying this down, down. he's yep. just doing his class but he just <laughs> sat right in front of harry. harry to do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a good dad there's a troll in the dungeon. Yeah, troll attack. I don't understand why Hermione lies. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't understand that either. My biggest complaint in the whole scene. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> they, they could have just told the truth. The only reason I can figure out is that she was just embarrassed to be crying. <laughs> like, she could have just said, I was in this bathroom, those two knew, and they came and they to came help to me. And they came to save me, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, like, they literally, they didn't even want to encounter the troll. They just wanted to get her out of yeah. a bathroom where they it's, knew she they might were, be in danger. No one was doing wrong. anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter's first Quidditch game. Dude, did McGonagall just buy Harry a Nimbus 2000? Yes. And if so, yeah. why? She loves Quidditch. She really wants her team to win so and doesn't corrupt. care about her corrupt doing so. 
But like Quidditch is so pay to win, right? Like basically a Nimbus 2000 is the Wizarding World equivalent of a Lamborghini. Wow. And any kid who can afford one can just use it in this sport. So whoever has the most money wins. Yeah, no, they should really have standardized brooms for the teams instead of just like everyone provides their own broom. (laughs) And brooms are apparently really expensive because in the fifth movie, in most of the newspapers it shows, and it shows a lot of them, there are always ads that say, need a loan to buy a new broom? Yes, no, they're literally like cars. (laughs) But speaking of of teacher favoritism, Snape comes in to wish his son good luck before the game. Yeah, totally does. There's no reason to believe he's being insincere here. He He compliments him for defeating a troll tells him that even though he's facing Slytherin who Snape knows they're good he'll be fine because he just beat a troll yep (laughs) like there's no way to misinterpret this he's literally just being like hey kid I know I'm for the other team but I really want you to win and good job (laughs) (laughs) yeah good luck Yeah, like, and he did this in front of Harry and his friends. Like, this must have been so embarrassing for him to come over at breakfast and be like, "Hey, (laughs) good luck." (laughs) So then they have the match. Everything about Quidditch is terrible and dangerous. It's the the worst, most dangerous game ever created. I mean, sure, it looks fun, it looks cool. I love Quidditch, but I mean, you shouldn't get 150 points from catching the snitch. The snitch. It could be the game ends when you catch the snitch, and then it's like sort of like a game like the Seekers trying to stop the other one from catching it. It's a main character game. It is designed for yes, a main exactly character what I was say. Yes. to get all the this, accolades for not winning. Not just a main character, but Harry Potter himself. Harry. This yeah. game was designed to make Harry the winner. <laughs> That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's the thing. Apparently, only Snape and Hermione had the like presence of mind to realize that Harry was being hexed and only Snape out of all of the teachers there even tried to do a counter curse. This helps both of our theories because this is because Snape and Hermione were the only people in the entire audience that were only looking at Harry and didn't care about the game because (laughs) Snape is his dad and Hermione likes him and doesn't like Ron. Also, like, the, just the wizarding rules and stuff are so lax that Hermione can just go there and set a professor on fire and get away. And there was no, like, investigation about that. No trying to figure out who set this professor on there fire. There was also no like, investigation trying to figure out who had hexed Harry's broom. So. Or who put the troll in the dungeon. Yeah. Like, the yes. wizarding world does not care. Again, Dumbledore <laughs> should be heading this up, right? He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, technically there is an investigation because... You know, we see Snape's nighttime rendezvous with Quirrell. (laughs) Yeah, Snape seems to know from a pretty early time that Quirrell is evil and has decent evidence. I mean, I'm assuming he tells Dumbledore and Dumbledore is just like, eh. The main thing I wanted to say about this scene is that Harry is invisible. And this is one of the best scenes in the movie where he's threatening (laughs) Quirrell. Alan Rickman is just so good. Reaches out, grabs nothing, (laughs) slowly brings his hand back, stares at his hand. And then turns it around and grabs Quirrell with it again. This whole time, he yeah. was just slowly yeah. threatening Quirrell. <laughs> he wasn't oh, making so a good. fool of himself, reaching for thin air. <laughs> I mean, my next evidence is for Hagrid is just that Hagrid, you know, his phrase "I should not have told you that" is constantly telling them things that will get them killed. Like he is feeding them a constant supply of information that will lead them to the evil dog that wants to kill them and eventually to Voldemort himself. Like everything they know, they get from Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's exactly why you need that to explain that part where or that part of the theory that like his bumbling is just a cover. Because like, yeah, if you take it as intentional, if you take it as he meant to tell them everything he told them, then that's absolutely true. He was leading them to this situation. It is very, very, very simple to not say phrases like, I lent him to Dumbledore to guard the, uh, the, uh, shouldn't have said that, right? Like, you don't need to tell them that. Or, what that dog is guarding is strictly between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have said that, right? Like, that's not <laughs> no, a that's thing. Very that's specific. not a slip of the tongue. <laughs> like, that's him feeding them information. <laughs> then the other major thing that happens is that Hagrid reveals that he has a dragon egg which he got yeah. as yes. payment for which delivering for security <laughs> information about the philosopher's stone and there's no other way to interpret this but he won it off a guy now this is where i wanted to talk about the idea of an asset at the beginning of this i said hagrid is either a death eater or a death eater asset when we're talking about spies there's two things there's a handler and an asset The asset is generally what we would call the spy, 
But the handler is actually the person who's working for the agency. The asset is just usually some idiot who doesn't even like really know anything about what they're doing. They're just feeding information to their handler. It could be any person in a position of power or it could just be like someone like a a celebrity or someone who's really good at sports or somebody who has access to specific facilities and specific people like Hagrid. He has access to all of Hogwarts and to Dumbledore, so he would make an excellent asset for the Death Eaters. The person who talked to him in that pub, who was presumably Quirrell, was his handler, and he was the asset. Like, Quirrell was just getting information out of him in return for favors and goods, which, you know, amounted to a dragon egg, which was exactly what he wanted. It's Voldemort who he told this information to. He told him how to calm Fluffy, the big dog that's guarding the trap door. This wasn't accidental that he told no. the kids about it because he's literally telling the kids, this is how to calm Fluffy. <laughs> so yes. you go do that where Voldemort will be because I just told him how to do it and he can kill you there. <laughs> and after he tells them that, like, they run off and he yells after them like, hey, where are you going? And then does no further investigation or tells anyone what happened, which seems like, yeah, he wanted them to go do that. And also... They get punished for going out to see Hagrid at night. And their punishment for going out to see Hagrid at night is going out with Hagrid at night. <laughs> and like it seems that Hagrid gets to choose what they're doing for their detention this time. And he tells them, oh, we have to check the forest because there's been a rash yeah. of What does he do? He brings there. Harry to Voldemort again. Exactly. Yeah, he brings him straight to Voldemort. He intentionally takes him to the forest where he knows Voldemort is going to kill unicorns. And then he splits up from him. And it's just like, oh, you go over there. He takes Ron and Hermione with him and leaves Malfoy and Harry, who he knows are enemies, on with their own Fang, with a dog. Is a coward. <laughs> and he wasn't yes. even going to leave them with Fang until Malfoy asked for Malfoy Fang. Took him. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he, he it does feel very intentional. He was just gonna leave Harry alone with his enemy in the middle of a forest with Voldemort, a unicorn poacher. <laughs> like, and Voldemort would have killed Harry. He Harry was dead meat right then if it wasn't for this random brave Ferenz. Ferenz. <laughs> yeah. Hagrid just murdered Harry. <laughs> it was done. It was yeah. over if it wasn't for Ferenz. <laughs> yeah, and then when Ferenz brings him back, Hagrid seems pretty chill about he's the whole like, thing. It's just yeah. like, oh, there you are, Ferenz. Uh -huh. You know? He's like, like Maybe he's kind like, of oh, like, oh, met my Mr. plan would have worked if it weren't for this centaur. Yeah. Yeah. So Harry randomly finds the mirror of Erised in just like a random room. The idea of hiding the stone in this mirror is strange and probably not the best security <laughs> because... As per Dumbledore at the end of the movie, only a person who wanted to find the stone, find it and not use it, could get it. <laughs> I assume the presumption being the only person who would need the stone is Dumbledore to get it to give to Nicholas Flamel to make more of his drought. Yeah, I right. guess so. There was one more thing I wanted to mention before they go after the stone. It's the scene after they tell McGonagall that this is going on and she's like, just leave it alone. And they're walking in the courtyard and they're like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And Snape comes up to them. Right. And he says, what are three fine young Gryffindors <laughs> oh, yeah, like yourselves all... <laughs> doing on a nice day like he's this? He's so complimentary. You're right. <laughs> right? And, then, and then he's like, people might think you're... Up, up to, to something. something. And then Harry glares at him. I and know, he, looks he looks so, so shocked. Yeah, he's just <laughs> right? like, what? <laughs> what? what did he say? And then he turns and runs away and oh, apparently what? does nothing. He's not like, oh, I knew what they were going to do. I'm going to go stop them or tell Dumbledore or go kill Quirrell or anything. Yeah. Like, he just leaves. He was just like trying to make an awkward dad joke. Yeah, like, oh, people yeah. think you're up to something. <laughs> oh, geez, Harry I pissed him, him off. I'm like, just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awkward Snape. And this fits in with everything we know I love about that Snape. Scene. You know, during his time at Hogwarts, he was an awkward, yep. nerdy kid, right? Like, he just never grew out of it. Everyone thinks he's so mean when really he just can't give compliments without <laughs> sounding like a jerk. Yep. Oh. So, going after the stone. Despite the fact that they're like, oh, each of the professors made one of these things that's supposed to prevent someone from getting to the stone like these professors really couldn't think of traps that would stop three first year students nah right <laughs> like, that important. literally anyone who can do magic could get this stone <laughs> literally yeah. anyone these kids even though they know exactly how to disarm fluffy they did not even bring an instrument for him <laughs> so they sure are yeah. lucky there's one in the room already <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Now, I think that the um, Devil's Snare is a pretty stupid trap. Yep. You just All relax you have to do is ignore it. it. Yeah. puts you in the next room. <laughs> yep. Literally takes no effort. The bird keys room was really stupid, too. It is a test for seekers. Yep. <laughs> right. So if you're a good seeker, you can get the key. <laughs> they give you the broom. Snake the can do it on right that old broom. You can. I also assume any normal wizard would just say Accio, the correct key. And yeah. And I think Probably. that in the book, they clarify that there was some sort of system like that because Dumbledore is not going to ride on a broom and get the key no. every time. Come <laughs> but on. They had a broom in it. So you're saying the broom yeah. was like a red herring. You weren't supposed yeah. to actually use you're it. You're not supposed to Harry use did. the <laughs> Hagrid put it in there oh, for Harry. Wow. He's trying to get Harry to the last room. <laughs> Dude, you might be right, actually. I mean, Hagrid's well, one of the few people And also, I got to say, you can't go too hard on the charmed keys because that was Flitwick's challenge, and he was going through a lot of changes. And about a year <laughs> yeah, from now, he he's suddenly not an old dwarf, but like yeah. a, a small mustached man with slicked hair. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was going through a lot. <laughs> And then they have to play chess, which is an interesting challenge. That was McGonagall's. Now, the game of chess that Ron plays was designed by international master Jeremy Silman and ensured that Ron actually had to sacrifice himself in the end so that Harry could proceed. He personified the White Queen throughout his chess game because, oh, you know, cool. she's so evil, right? Like she keeps killing all their pieces and she's so unstoppable. I found <laughs> that character genuinely terrifying yes. as a child. Like and that's she what, was so scary. He was like, yeah, I really wanted to instill this sense of danger that the White Queen was just so heartless and she's coming to get you. And whoever she puts her sights on will die. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, man, he did. Like she kills all their pieces. She's so dangerous. Yeah. He put them in this situation at the end where there are two winning moves and you have to sacrifice a piece for either strategy. You could either sacrifice Harry's piece or you could sacrifice Ron's piece. And specifically, it's important that sacrificing Ron's piece is the less effective strategy because it takes <laughs> more moves to win that way. So Ron, being an expert chess player, purposefully picked the worst strategy because he loved Harry so much and didn't want to sacrifice his best friend. Either that or he was planning on just playing dead because he just he fell like, what, three feet? Because he didn't want to do the next test. He's terrified. <laughs> well, yeah. And yeah. also that meant he got to stay behind with Hermione. Well, kind of, except for right after Ron's great sacrifice being all cool to impress Hermione. They kneel over his body and like hug and get all cuddly. And yeah. she's like, oh, you're, Harry, a, great you're wizard, such Harry. a great wizard <laughs> who has never cast a single spell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like, not as good as you. <laughs> Yeah, I think he made that whole big sacrifice just to win her affection and to get to stay behind with her. And then he's like, oh, it backfired on me. Exactly. So he gets to the final room and just murders Quirrell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Harry is very lucky to be protected by magic plot armor, which can crumble Quirrell to dust and murder him at the slightest touch. <laughs> Here is a mini theory. It doesn't feed into any of our other theories. Maybe Quirrell wasn't possessed with Voldemort. Harry Potter only ever gets a view of Voldemort's face on the back of Quirrell's head in the mirror. The mirror that shows you what you desire most. He wants to defeat Voldemort the most. I mean, in the fifth movie, he's like, okay. I'm going to kill him. You know, we know that's what he wants the most. Somehow, that's actually interesting. in the same way that the mirror can give you uh, the stone if you want it, it somehow made it so he could kill Voldemort, but it wasn't Voldemort. He just killed Quirrell. <laughs> so, but then if it wasn't Voldemort, how did he kill Quirrell? Because the, the mirror whole thing is somehow gave him that ability. I don't know how. But the mirror is only supposed to show you your desire. It's not it supposed gives to actually him the stone. Give... It can give you yeah, things. Yeah, I never understood that. <laughs> no, that's kind of interesting. I, that, yeah, I've... It is interesting. We as the audience, like we do actually see the back of Quirrell's head not in the mirror, but Harry doesn't. Harry only ever sees it. Like I looked through it. He only only sees the back of Quirrell's head in that mirror. So there's really no telling that that was really Voldemort. <laughs> wow. So I think the next scene is the uh, delivery of the house. The cup. feast. Jeez. 
What a jerk. Dumbledore just faking yeah, everyone out on purpose. Be like Slytherin yeah, no. one. Such Wait, a no. scummy move. doesn't like Team Slytherin. <laughs> Absolutely scummy move for him to be like Slytherin one. He's such a <laughs> no, jerk. I mean, he I probably don't care did about Slytherin guys. You know who Snape, won. Because he hates Snape. <laughs> it's it's hates always Snape. Gryffindor. He really hates Snape. What will yeah. you give me? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone got anything else? As he's getting on the train, Haggard first of all gets in that that photo album. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the photo album that he pilfered from the dead people's house. (laughs) And then Hagrid ends the movie by telling Harry he should threaten people with magic. Yes, (laughs) exactly. He ends the movie by suggesting straight up Death Eater behavior. Right? He knows that's against the rule. You get expelled for that. Hagrid got expelled. He knows that that's not a good thing to do. (laughs) Harry gets put on trial in the 50s movie for doing that yep so yeah that's all i have for the first movie all right first movie's done we did it we're going to continue this wonderful magical um 20 year anniversary with a few other episodes of harry potter theories covering the other movies trying to prove these same theories so this isn't all the evidence that we have there's more on the way but so far brita as the guest what are your feelings towards mr hagrid I mean, I was arguing that theory pretty hard, yeah, so it would be pretty we weird if I was just like, There's no, I no don't think so. There's no room for dissenting opinions on <laughs> oh, this podcast. So you're saying that we've changed your mind and you think he's a bad no, guy No, I'm now. not saying that. <laughs> all, right, all right, what do you think is, was Snape Harry's father so far? I mean, I maybe mean, not. I think he, you, yeah, I think you proved pretty well that Snape was not malintentioned toward yeah. Harry. Like, yeah. he's, they kind of play it like maybe he was. You're seeing the movie through Harry's eyes and he's very suspicious of Snape the whole movie and thinks that he is like working for Voldemort. As we learn out at the end, he's not. And so then you have to take all of those actions and realize they were not done through this lens of malice uh, that Harry was seeing them as. Snape is just incapable of giving good compliments, but really he's trying his best here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, so we haven't proved that he's Harry's dad, but we proved that he was actually nice to Harry in the first movie. As far as Ron goes, we clearly haven't proved that he cast the Imperious Curse on yeah, Hermione. That doesn't come and until we know later. That. We're going to expand on Ron's magical, mystical quest to control Hermione's life later. Um, however, I think that we've established that there are a few things about his personality and his actions that are questionable, right? How about Dumbledore? Is he, is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? I think at this point, we can't say he's pure evil. Yeah, it's a question mark. Yeah, at this point, I think we have enough evidence to say he is criminally negligent with his running of this school. (laughs) But other than that, I don't know. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, hey, thanks for joining us for this episode, Brita. Really appreciate it. It was fun to bounce these ideas off of you. It was a pleasure. I hope to be back for future Harry Potter episodes. Music for this episode was provided by Christine like to encourage anyone who's listening to watch Harry Potter, watch all the movies, enjoy this magical yeah. month of Harry Potter anniversary with us. And feel free to follow us on Twitter. Let us know if you agree or disagree with our theories. At Popcorn Isn't Real, by the way. We're, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> so uh, please catch our next episode. Um, we're we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And until next time, remember, the, the popcorn, popcorn isn't real. real. <laughs> <laughs>